0: Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. A hey, freezing cold Saturday night, red-hot Battle of Alberta, which the Edmonton Oilers lost by one goal to the Calgary Flames, 4-3. to three. An extremely frustrating night for Oilers fans on a number of levels, including the loss. Quite a close game, though. Uh, I think the grade A chances were ten for the Oilers and a and eleven for the Flames. Is that what it was? Or 10? Anyways, one 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 grade A chance separating them. The Flames, I think, scored on a couple of B chances. Um, Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it's a loss, and we're both in kind of a foul mood, let's start with uh, let's start with some bad things. Okay, what was you? Okay. Are you ready to go or do you want me oh, to go? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, let her rip, man.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, are we only doing one bad thing? or There's a few, but anyway. Uh, the
0: well, one you can, we can both do two, I'm sure. I, no, let's. we'll just do one each.
1: The one that stands out for me is uh, Zach Cassian's loss of composure and discipline uh, when he was hit hard but clean uh, for a second time by Matthew Kachuk uh, in a tie game late in the second period. And uh, rather than pick his helmet up and fasten his damn chin, chin strap, he decided to go after Matthew Kuchuk, uh drop the gloves and rain punches down on the, uh, the guy whose well-earned nickname Turtle uh, was seen yet again. Uh, but you know what? Uh, Kuchuk, uh won the day. He'll take those punches and he'll take those two points 10 days out of 10. He won that battle fair and square by outsmarting and out-toughing Zach Cassian. And uh, Zach Cassian wound up. I, I thought the refs kind of let him off a little bit light with only oh, a double minor, a double minor, and a 10-minute misconduct. All of it well earned. I mean, that was he dropped the gloves and he threw several punches like that's fighting. Like, it should have been a major, probably, and maybe five and two,
0: because anyway.
1: You ever seen five you don't and have two? To, you, you, uh, yes.
0: Without well, any, I, without the other guy getting anything.
1: Yes. Yeah, I mean, hey, Doug. Wake pretty got, rare. Doug, Doug Wake got thirty nine minutes to zero against Brian Marchment that one time. Anything? Yeah, but how happen.
0: would that be a seven minute penalty, five and two?
1: For two for roughing plus five for fighting against zero. Yes, I have seen it, and it's not that rare.
0: Wow. So she, it's she was got, really I, I, lucky not to get that because instigator.
1: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah.
0: Instigator. Yeah. I could uh, easily
1: have been two five and ten. Yeah. You know, and, and versus nothing, I've seen that too where the one guy starts the fight and the other guy just doesn't engage in it. And, you know, you can hate Matthew Kachuk, and I know many Oilers fans do, and I'm sure there were some of us who relished in those few seconds when Cassian was throwing bombs down on Kachuk, but the Piper had to be paid. In this case, the Piper paid the the ultimate price, the game-winning goal, on the power play, uh, with Matthew Kachuk playing the key role screening uh, Mikko Koskinen, as the puck flew past him and into the top corner, uh, and he basically played the whole power play because he stayed out of the box when Zach Cassian couldn't.
0: Bruce, um, did you? Okay, I I am guilty as charged in terms of relishing it. As as Cassian was raining down punches on the turtle's head, I mean, I was in the moment. I, I I I knew that this was bad, and I was expecting it to be worse. But in the moment, I was glad he was doing that to the turtle. Were you? Did you? Were you so self-contained at that point that you thought, no, oh well, this is this is just all bad?
1: Well, it wasn't all bad. I mean, he did, <laughs> he did, land, he did, land, he did pop him a few, but you know what? Those were clean hits, David. I know like, they were. I you know, know it what? wasn't like Kachuk was running around hitting guys from behind or slew footing or doing the usual nasty stuff. He nailed Cassian three times in the game, once in each period. Well, could it be pop, charging pop, Bruce
0: that, that last one? I mean. Pop, up Does charging have to be when ice? you smash someone from the front? What if you suddenly spin around and smash them? I mean, it could be charging, that last hit. Uh, I know. I don't think it was charging. Uh, yeah. I, don't. I
1: mean, the refs weren't calling anything. I mean, there was only three that's... three power plays in the whole game, and two of them were this one loss of discipline by Zach Cassian, And, I mean, there were other reasons. I mean, they had 19 minutes to get back in the game, and they couldn't. But you know, it was one of those games. You knew that if they fell behind again, it was going to be a steep uphill climb. And sure enough, there was, they were unable to beat Cam Talbot to to tie it up. And you know, I I I'll say this for myself. This is my own discipline, David. Uh, instead of breaking a clipboard as I've done on such occasions in the past, often against Calgary or Vancouver, I had the I had the self-discipline to first of all remove my game notes from the clipboard before I. Open them up and them against the wall.
0: <laughs> Maybe you need some kind oh. of pill- a pillow that you can punch with the turtle's face on it. Just a turtle pillow. And- There's
1: 20 seconds to go in the third period, and the Oilers can't make a simple pass in the and the neutral zone, and they dump it in, and nobody chases the puck. I mean, come on. Ah, oh,
0: god. Oh. And you know what, Bruce? The Oilers. The Oilers. On <laughs> this was a this in some ways this was a typical Cam Talbot night in that he let in the first. In the, the Oilers, in the first four grade A scoring chances the orders had, which took them early into the second period. Like they had an abysmal first period on a certain level when it came to generating grade A chances. They had two, but they scored on both of them. And then they scored on one of their first two in the second. So on three of the first four grade A chances the orders scored. This is Cam Talbot. This is the Cam Talbot we know and grew not to love so much in Edmonton. But... They couldn't hold the lead. They couldn't. They just couldn't keep it together. And and about even when they were, I think they were up. And I was thinking, no, they're going to lose this game. There's just some kind of chaotic feel to this game. And the Flames just the the Flames seemed sharper. They seem smarter. They seemed edgier. They seemed faster. Um, they were the, the the bounces seemed to be going their way the whole time. And I just had this feeling that the Oilers were not going to be able to, to hold on in that game, and it proved to be true. There was no, Bruce, the penalty, I'll get to my bad thing right now. So, so that penalty, I'm sure the Oilers were desperate to, to, you know, I'm sure they all hate the turtle. So they were probably thinking that they really, 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 really want to kill that off. And I bet you if, if the penalty had all been in one four minute segment at the end of the period, the momentum was going on the kill. I think they would have got it then, but they were, there was a break. The flames could regroup and, um, a little bit of emotion left the game in terms of the Oilers wanting to do everything they could. But my bad thing is Koskinen. Bruce, I think he should have. He he guessed the wrong way. That was a good sh- uh, screen by the turtle in front of the net. But Koskinen guessed the wrong way. He looked. He looked, and then bang! It goes the other way. It's in. Um, the first goal. Same thing. He's he's deep in his crease. Uh, it's kind of a outside shot. It's a good shot. It's a tough shot. It's a it's a scoring. It's a B grade scoring chance. But it's not a. He lets that in all night long. He was letting the most ridiculous Rebounds. rebounds. And I mean. That the, um, the third goal, man. that was, <laughs> that just reminded me of, uh, peewee hockey so much, like where you're just, you, you just, the goalie, you just say, oh, just, just cover the puck, cover the puck. And they couldn't cover the puck. Koskinen was fighting it. And Bruce, uh, I, I don't want to say I told you so, because that certainly wasn't the intent of my post today, but going into today's game, there was this, I was thinking Koskinen might have a good game. Because the story, kind of the narrative around him is, well, he got overplayed last year and that's why he played so poorly. So you think, well, if he gets a nice big rest, he's going to be really strong. He's going to come out strong. So I, I dug into it today using the great uh, tool at Hockey Reference. And um, it's not the case with Koskinen this year. So when he's had just uh, one day's rest, he's got a 934 save percentage. And he's he's in those nine games with just one day's rest. He's had six excellent games and and three just three weak ones. So that's a pretty good ratio for a goalie. Like, but for the rest of the time, uh, let me just look at the number here. In the other seven, is it seventeen? Yeah, other seventeen games that he's played, he's only been sharp in six of them, and in eleven of them he's been weak. So this is make that twelve out of eighteen because tonight he just was he came out and he made some great saves and I was hopeful okay maybe they're through this but the Oilers were just back on their heels and of course they had to give up the first goal because of it and it was deservedly so they were you know the Flames deserved a goal by that point Gaudreau had had a breakaway i believe and um but Koskinen he just he was fighting it tonight and this happens with the goalie and he was he had he had been i think sick or injured and he was on a long break and so this you know i hope they go back to him next game because i think he will bounce back from this and i think if you look at the numbers this year He he doesn't need that amount of rest. So like I can see why they went with Smith so much, but uh, let's get him back in there because he's been their best goalie this year, and they need him. They need him to play well. But he is my bad thing.
1: Yeah, he struggled mightily tonight. I just thought he was sluggish. You know, it's like he was slow reacting to shots. He wasn't controlling. Like he. the rebounds weren't sticking to him and he wasn't really controlling them a lot of them were going into the the slot there was two or three times where he lost a rebound and a Calgary guy had a golden chance and just couldn't hit the net there was one Sam Bennett there that was a shot like like it was a nothing shot from outside and Sam Bennett all he had to do was
0: yeah
1: like he got right around Koskin but he couldn't quite pull the puck uh, into the net and if he did you know it it was a freebie. And Also, you know, he went out of the net to handle the puck and he kind of standing around there waiting and a Calgary guy comes and almost strips it off him. And he just, it was like he hadn't played for too long or whatever, or I mean, who knows if he was banged up in that Rangers game like you and I thought he was, but tonight he just didn't look like he was on his game at all. He made some saves, but he never looked comfortable.
0: Hey Bruce, before we move on for off the bad things, I just want to go back to the Cassian one because the other thing that happened there, and again, as he was pounding on Kachuk, you know, as the turtle was taking it, I was happy. You know, I, I wasn't mad at Cassian in that second, although I expected it to be bad. But one of the repercussions from that is um, the Oilers have had two good lines going, sometimes three mm-hmm. good lines when the Archibald, she- yep. Shea, and Nigard line is going. And Cassian, he's become a really valuable player for the Oilers. Not in this game, but. He took himself, he was out of the game at a really key point of the game and it threw off the Oilers' lines. It didn't, you know, I, there wasn't a lot of um, offensive generation. Let me just look in the third period here. Um, yeah, McDavid was, he and Neil created one chance, um, grade A chance in the third, but that line could have done a lot more, I think. They could have had the one-two punch going and they didn't. They just had the one punch going. And and that, so an, another real downside of Cassian. Uh, foray there was um, it set the oils back the oil back in terms of any comeback attempt in the third period. Bruce, what's your good thing?
1: Well, I got to go with the goal by Connor McDavid, uh, one that put Edmonton ahead two to one in the first period. And it was actually um, Calgary's seen this goal before. Cam Talbot has seen this goal before. Uh, It was the first game after the playoff season in 2017-18 when Edmonton shut out Calgary 3-0 and McDavid scored all three goals and Talbot got the shutout and it looked like they were off and running on another team. Oh, I remember that now, yeah. And McDavid's second goal in that game was just like this one where he just raw speed turned what seemed to be sort of a a neutral zone rush into a breakaway because nobody could any and he did the same thing where he cut across the front of the net and then shelved it back to the short side right in the top popped it right over the uh net minders uh, um, uh glove side right in the top corner almost identical move and shot uh, as that one uh, and it was basically an unstoppable goal there was nothing cam Tullo could have done to stop that goal because he had to he had to move with McDavid going across the crease, and then, you know, when he puts a, puts a shot from that range right into the top corner, going at that speed when the goalie's pushing off on the, on the foot that he needs to be uh, able to move back to that corner, just no chance. And that was just an elite skill,
0: uh, elite skill play at a ridiculous rate of speed. Bruce, when he's moving that fast, and they said on Hockey Night in Canada, I believe it was 44 kmh, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> Um, when he's moving that fast, he adds about 10 percentage points in terms of the difficulty of the shot. So he turns like a 30% chance into a 40% chance oh, yeah. or a 15% chance into a 25% chance. And we've actually had to adjust like, cause we are, we're grading grade a scoring chances. And if we're completely honest in judging McDavid as he's charging down the wing and gets off a shot. It has a much higher chance of, of going in cause he's moving so fast. The goalie has a hard time tracking it as compared to other players. And that was, I mean, that was obviously, that's a, that's a case where you, you're right. It's like, it becomes, it, that was like a, well, a normal player might've had a 30% chance and that was like an 80% chance uh, for McDavid when he when he took that shot. It's just, because when he goes to the forehand, the goalie's got to think, he's going to beat me to the far post. Like he's going to come ac- right across the crease and he's going to beat me to the far post post and wrap it around me. So he's got to go that way and then the misdirection, just putting it back in the other direction, mm-hmm. th- you're done. Like, there's, wow. there's, if he executes that, because he's tried that at other times, and he hasn't been able to execute it. But when he executes that shot, it's, it's as close to a sure thing as you're going to find for a goal. I mean, there's obviously open net tap-ins. Uh, so that was your good thing. Okay, my good mm-hmm. thing, Bruce, is um, I'm just enamored, actually, with the <laughs> dry settle, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto line. And I was trying to think, like, why do, they, why do these guys work so well together? And it's, like, blindingly obvious, of course. They all love to pass, and they can all really pass. They can all really pass the puck, and they love to pass the puck. And they're starting to have that feel of, to me, a European line. You know, one of those, or the, or the Hull, Hedberg, Nielsen. Like, one of those great passing, attacking lines where they're really moving it around well. And I hope, to goodness gracious, that they keep this line together. Because it is, it is really uh, – the goal that they scored, uh, Yamamoto's – Dreisaitl's hard charge up the ice, puts it over to Yamamoto. Yamamoto crossed the Indian Hopkins. We're going to start to see that, I think, more and more. These guys really are. – they're all smart. They all pass the puck so well. They, they all they, – I think they like playing together. I think for the first time I'm seeing Dreisaitl – enthusiastically playing with two other players, one of them not being Connor McDavid. They're, they're charging around, making plays. I, I can't, it's just, to me, when they come on the ice, I just expect good things to happen, and they almost always do. And I think Settle's broken out of his, his funk. Um, whenever, whenever he's been away from McDavid, he's been in a funk. It's, it's gone. This is working, and it's, and it's, it's like a, it's a godsend for Oilers hockey fans because we needed a second line, and this is it? Wow. This is this is fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, all all three guys uh, had it going on tonight for a big part of the game. Uh, I thought Yamamoto had a terrific game. He he was the the one Oiler that managed to draw a penalty. Uh, he earned a, a, an earned and well earned a pair of assists with uh, I believe both uh, primary assists on uh, the two goals by Nugent Hopkins. But with good sharp passes to uh Nuge and good uh shooting position. Uh he made a number of uh, number of good plays on the puck, uh in the defensive zone and also uh, in the uh on the attack. Also just good at getting a stick on, you know, like like getting a piece of a of a clearing shot that might have been a nice thing, but instead he you know, he tips it into the zone because he's got a good good uh, uh stick. So, you know, lots of little details like that, but the kind of details that uh sometimes you don't see in a young player's game. And that's that's the really encouraging part, is that this guy's 21 years old, and he's coming up, and he's looking like a pretty polished hockey player. Uh, and, of course, Nuge, uh, uh, well, they got a little lucky on the second one, to say the least, but the uh, the first one was an absolute snipe uh, that beat uh, Talbot Close side. And uh, Dreisaitl, uh, other than... You know, every once in a while, he'll do that thing and you're going to go, don't do it, Leon, don't. Oh, he did it. You know, at, at the end of the power play, where their line has drawn, um, drawn the power play, so he's already been out there for 20 or 30 seconds, plays a whole two minutes of power play, and then they're trying to get their personality. And that's the time that he decides to make a blind backhand pass across the opposing blue line, leading to an instant jailbreak and a great chance from the slot for the other team. And I don't know what it's going to take to get that out of his game. Because so I was I mean, the, the payoff, sometimes those passes work so beautifully that the temptation obviously is too strong for him to resist. But it's something that he's got to buff and polish and pick his spots as to when to do that, and more importantly, when not to do that. And that was one of those times not to do that.
0: I, I every I time I was at just the end screaming of screaming
1: at my TV at that every moment.
0: time at the end every time at the end of a long dry title shift where he's been on the ice too long, and he's taking the puck through the neutral zone. I'm on like pins and needles. Like, is he gonna just dump it in like he should? Is he just gonna dump it in, or is he gonna do something and turn it over? Because half the time he turns it over. So I, I'm the same. With, as, and nervous. on that play, and on that play, as 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 he turns it over, I'm I, I'm just uh, just just skate right out, get off the ice, Leon. Just because don't even don't even try it because we just know I just know you're gonna lays back into the play, which he did. Just just oh, go straight not- off the ice and get someone who's fresh out there because you're you're no good to the Oilers anymore. Like you're, you're done so you you might get back in the play and stand there, but again, for such a fantastic player this is uh, this is something that's both starting to drive us crazy it's and has McKillie, for some time
1: It's Achilles' heel for sure, and I wonder if his brain gets tired after a long shift or something <laughs> that's just just a poor decision. It's not just that he didn't execute the pass it was just it was a bad idea. The pass was never there he couldn't even see what was there because he was wheeling and firing it
0: across the slot, but maybe, maybe when the...
1: God uh, uh, said, as mistakes by Oilers in this game goes, that one doesn't even make the top 10, I don't
0: think. Sure. Well, you said Achilles heel, maybe when the goddess dunked him in the gri- river, she held him by the head. LAUGHTER <real. laughs>
1: Well, I don't quite want to go there with this player. He sure does
0: make a he sure does make a lot of good things happen. That but, was fortunately most people oh, don't understand mythology yes. so they won't understand just how nasty a comment yeah. that was. Totally. But yeah. uh <laughs> I just I was just joking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he is a very smart hockey player. I think you're right maybe it's like a uh lack of oxygen at the right at the end of 3 minute shifts. Imagine that. Uh, okay. Where are we, Bruce? We're, Oh, I want uh, Yamamoto. I want to just one final comment about Yamamoto here. Uh-huh. Such a relief to see him develop as a player. Cause the Oilers, they had drafted two years in a row wingers in Puglia, Yarvey, and Yamamoto, Bruce. And if they had struck out on both, it would have been, frankly, it would have been a kind of a disaster for the franchise. They needed one of those. They need one of those guys to step up into the top six. And for a, for a while there, kind of like this summer, heading into the year, when it looked like that it might not happen for either of them, it was like kind of depressing. Like you just you can't miss NHL franchises can't miss on top picks like that and and survive uh, over the long haul. They can't compete ex- ex- in the playoffs for the playoffs and in the playoffs if you don't hit on draft picks. So, you know, after he was drafted, he remember he had looked so spectacular in that August summer showcase, just like Broberg did this mm-hmm. year. Yep. Yeah, Mamona had just been – he He just – we had all been over the moon crazy with how how fantastic he looked in the summer after he was drafted in that August showcase. He just looked – this you know, the second coming of like Denny Savard. So um, he's not going to be that, but it looks like he might be quite a fine hockey player. Man, if he doesn't get hurt, and that's like knock on my uh, wood here, my computer, whatever it's made out of um, – there's no, like, what have we seen? Six games in a row? Like, you you can't, I don't think he's faking it. It's not like he's getting right. puck luck. I'm not talking about his point scoring. Just every aspect of his game is just really strong right now. And I saw that same thing in the AHL when he was healthy this year in Bakersfield. The games I watched, he was fantastic. So... Uh, that's just, that's more, that's more good news about that. That's what's, you know, made the difference on that line. And it just makes a huge difference to the others. Changes their whole trade program, Bruce. Suddenly, for
1: sure. yeah. who,
0: who you know, you don't need necessarily, if you're, if you're in a playoff hunt, you don't need to make that trade for the second line winger. You can focus on maybe the third line two way center, if that's what you think you need or something else, who knows what, maybe they, maybe they're not going to make need to make any trades if the whole team's playing well, but, uh, we'll see. Bruce, what is your number?
1: Uh, I'm going to look at the face-offs tonight, and the face-offs by period. Now, there was a graphic early in the first period. That said Oilers won seven out of eight, and they had to puck a whole lot in the first period. And, in fact, in the first period, they won 12 and lost four. Uh, then in the second period, it was kind of 50-50. And in the third period, the Oilers won five and lost 17, uh, including, uh, uh, at even strength, just three out of 17 that, that they won. And some of these were pretty critical face-offs. Uh, uh, several of them after Calgary icings. And those, to me, those are huge plays. The other team ices the puck. They got tired guys out. You got your choice in line. They're, they're stuck with their tired guys. And it all goes to hell the second you lose that face-off. You gotta win that draw. And the Oilers, I don't know what it is. They they they, they consistently don't take advantage of uh, icing opportunities. Uh, same goes on the power play or the end of the game empty net. Like, there was a lot of face-offs in Calgary territory uh, in the final frame. And Edmonton just was unable to uh, get and maintain possession of the puck off of too many of those draws. And that was... Um, I mean, it's just one number out of many, I'm sure. But it was one that caught my eye. And then when I look at the actual face-off summary report, it backs up what I saw, which was I was dominating in the first, getting dominated in the third when the
0: game was really on the line. Fair enough. All right, my number is uh, four. And that's the number of major mistakes on grade A scoring chances against that Adam Larson made this game. He started out pretty... Oh. Uh, he got beat on the breakaway by Gaudreau, as, as I recall. Uh, he just had a rough game. What, if they ever let him get away with a lot of cross-checking? I guess they've decided, for a while that they were cracking down. I think at the start of the 2017-18 season, they said no cross-checking. And they were, Larson was drawing a lot of penalties, but he was just absolutely thumping guys into the back all game long. But there's some games where his uh, foot speed is exposed a little bit, and this was one of them, where the, the other team... He's not totally totally in sync and totally on his A game, Larson can, can be a defensive liability at times, and this was one of those occasions where he had a pretty some rough moments. Um, he was on the first goal, he, he and Clefbaum allowed the pass into the slot initially. Um, he deflected the puck in off his body. it went it looked like it went off his body on the second goal. Um, and Wait. there was other. Other mistakes he, as well. He was 100
1: miles out of position on the Goudreau breakaway, like yeah. a minute and a half into the game.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know what he want thought that, he was eh? going in the neutral zone with Johnny Goudreau. You know, that guy. I mean, we should know who he is by now. And he got in behind uh, Larson for a break, great breakaway chance and the obligatory rebound chance. Give Costin credit. He came up with those saves, but uh, that was... Uh, you know, there was there was a few too many weak links in the Oilers uh, in tonight's game, unfortunately. It cost it's
0: going to be interesting. I mean, as the defense goes forward, they're going to have some choices to make because they're going to have to clear some salary. They've got to sign Ethan Bear. They're going to have to sign Kyler Yamamoto, it looks like, like if this continues, and I think it's going to. Um, This is the good news, right? They have these good young players that are right. going to, Command, that are coming up and are going to commence and sorry and you don't want to lose those guys you don't want to be like chicago had to shed a lot of these great young players so the just have to be very careful uh-huh. uh not to overpay and they're in a position right now
1: where uh-huh. they're
0: not really tied into other than the neil contract right they're not really tied in long term into a really bad contract i don't believe right. they're not so they have one which is not bad. That's not bad for an NHL team. Most NHL teams have one, and and Neil obviously is is paying. You know, he's living up to his contract this year. But who knows what's going to happen going forward? But so Larson's making four, Russell's making four. Matt Benning's going to have to be signed. I mean, I think we're going to see at least one of those players um, gone, and uh, we'll see what happens with Nurse. How much he's asking for, and whether they can fit him in, because. You know, I've been watching Evan Bouchard, Sean Patrick Ryan, who writes for the Cult of Hockey, uh, recently watched the has been watching uh, Bakersfield. Evan Bouchard is really coming on. His defensive games coming together. and he's going to be ready next year, I think, uh, mm-hmm. to play in the NHL He's such a fantastic passing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the I, thing about Bouchard, even when he passes it, like you know, those little passes off the boards. Every pass he makes are on the stick, but even those little ones off the boards are right on the guy's stick. He, he's like a, the perfect pool player, um, and it, but his defense is getting better, his gap control is getting better. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, the
1: the Bouchard situation to me that might be a little bit of a uh, a factor in the Ethan Bear. Negotiations—they—they uh, they might be a little more inclined to do a bridge deal for Bear, uh, yeah. while they're trying to figure out what they got in Bouchard, because frankly, at this point, we're still trying to figure out what we got in Ethan Bear, uh, which is a lot of good things, but uh, there are a lot of a uh, lot of uh, defensive um, issues in this game. We saw some of them tonight, and uh, you know, there was some sort of scatter shot passing, you know, some of it it to the other team. And, of course, that uh, brain cramp near the goal on the, on the 3-3. Uh, and, you know, there there's... Um, the game is looking a little bit fast for him right now, and I'm fairly confident he's going to get over it. But let's just say this. I wouldn't sign him to an eight-year contract next week. I mean, let's let this play out, and let's see what we got at the end of this impressive rookie season that he's had. And there are options of which uh, the bridge deal is one of the options. and And... There's, you know, if you lock yourself into that player and then Evan Bouchard comes in and he is clearly, you know, a better player, then what,
0: right? So, Yeah, because I, I was criticizing Larson for making four major mistakes on grade A chances against Bear. Bear also made four tonight. No, that doesn't surprise me. That's a lot. That is mm-hmm. a lot. And, uh, yeah, ga- fair two enough. Two games in a row, right? Fair enough, Bruce. Because one of them, you'd think, is going to eventually run the power play um and and bouchard i mean that's why they drafted him and he is a fantastic power player he's got it mean um, you know, he's got a great shot he's got the best shot of all of them bear's got a good shot bouchard's got the best he's a really great passer like he he, he just he's a different level i think of offensive hockey player than even i think Ethan bears a very good offensive hockey player i think bear uh, bouchard's one step above that so you're right um i hadn't thought about that but in terms of bears contract that has to be if they're watching Bouchard and they start to think, oh, yeah, he, he is going to make it and, and he could play third pairing and on the power play, for instance, next year um, or, you know, at least third pairing and keep Clefbaum on the top power play or whatever they're going to do. Yeah, it's there's lots of options. And I just hope Ken Holland is very, very wise in where he distributes that money. So like this is this all comes into play, like with contracts like Nurse and Cassian and and the, the veteran players. How much can you afford uh mm-hmm. for these players when you do have talent coming up? And at the same time, with the keeping mind on you got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle in their prime, you can't lose Nursing Cassian, really. Like you have to do everything you can to keep them. So what does that mean that maybe then for a player like Russell or Larson, maybe there's there's repercussions that that go flow down the line. So we'll see. All righty. Thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. You're doing the game grades, right?
1: I sure am. Wouldn't you know, I did two games on the road trip, the Buffalo game and the Calgary game.
0: Oh, well. That's just nice. Sigh. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier to, to grade a win, I, I find. It certainly is. So, Well, good luck, and thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.